All right. Good morning. I am so glad you guys are here today. We are on our third and final week of a series that we've been doing here at Ignite called Simple. And uh, we're trying to kind of boil back, uh, boil down Christianity to its simplest form, to the basic teachings and patterns of Jesus. Because as we've been talking about, it seems like religion and even just human nature can often make things so complicated, right? We, we, uh, the first week I, I asked what you think you need to do uh, to, to be in better relationship relationship with God. And I'm amazed. I mean, we came up with dozens and dozens and dozens of different things. Uh, we need to do this and do this and do this and do this and do this. And it gets so complicated sometimes and overwhelming. And so we've been looking at the pattern that's really the biblical pattern uh, and certainly the pattern of Jesus. And as we'll see as well, the pattern throughout the entire Bible, which is incredibly simple. Two weeks ago, we talked about um, uh, and, and kind of looked at Matthew, the tax collector, and how Jesus came up to him and took that, that first step and said, Matthew, follow me, right? And, and we talked about the fact that he, uh, uh, Matthew was not a believer at the time. He did not have his stuff together. In fact, he was a wreck, right? I mean, there was, there was very little that you would look at Matthew's life and say he was righteous or in right relationship. He, he didn't get anything at that point. But Jesus called to him and invited him into a relationship. He's like, come, come with me, follow me, listen to my teachings, hear my heart, see what I do in people's lives, right? I mean, just, just come in and be with me. In fact, he called Matthew and then where's the next place they went? Remember? To his house, right? Uh, he went, went, took him back home, <laughs> invited all of, his, all of his lost friends and they had a party of sorts and Jesus was hanging out with Matthew where he lived and where he was. We said, we said actually, God always initiates. That's how it always starts with us, right? I mean, we're a, a, a call. Jesus doesn't say, hey man, you need to do this and this and this. You need to get your stuff together. You need to obey all these different things. You need to do these and don't do these. It never starts that way. It always starts with a simple invitation to come follow that's where it always begins. And then last week, we, we, we took it a step further and said, you know, the amazing thing that happens is once people start, right, once they start that relationship with God, they start checking out who he is. They start walking with him and listening to him. And, and like these early followers are watching the things that Jesus is doing. Nobody can do what Jesus is. He's healing people. He's casting out demons, right? Raising people from the, I mean, it's craziness. I mean, they're, they're looking at this. They're listening to the way he talks about the father, and the way he teaches, it's like unlike anything they had ever heard before. And one by one, these, these followers start to, start to look at Jesus and they start to experience Jesus for themselves. And one by one, they start to come to the conclusion. They said, you know what? I think, I think he's the real deal. I mean, I think there's something there. And they begin to believe and they, they start to believe not just that he's a good teacher, although they certainly believe that, not just that he, what his saying was true. They weren't just buying into a philosophy, but one by one, they start to believe, you know what? I think he's who he says he is, which is kind of a big deal because he claimed to be the savior of the world. He claimed to be the son of God, part of the Trinity, part of, the, part of God himself. And we said, you know, one by one, these, these followers started to open up their hearts and lives and invite Christ in and say, you know, what? I believe, but not just a head thing. I don't, I don't just believe that he physically exists. Of course they believed that. They were living, you know, with him, walking with him and doing life with him. Of course they believe that. But, but they said, no, I believe that he's the Savior. And not only do I believe that he's the Savior, I, I want him to come and save me. 
I want him to come and rescue me. I want him to come and be my God. And so they began to open their hearts and lives to him and put their trust in him. And they began to believe and many of us could tell similar stories, right, of, of ways that we had originally started to follow and maybe we came to church, maybe we showed up and we started checking out and listening to and hearing more and learning more about this Jesus guy we were following, right? Maybe we went to a growth group, maybe we had a, a friend that was a Christ follower and they began to share with us and we started to learn and, and then maybe we started to open up God's book a little bit and check this guy out for ourselves and say, man, who is this Jesus dude? start following and getting to know him and observing how he's working in our midst, how he's transforming lives. And sooner or later, many of us have come to the point where we've said, you know what? There's something to this. I've seen the way this Jesus guy transforms lives. I've watched him do it in my midst. I've experienced him for myself. I've learned and I've heard enough that I believe I'm in. We've opened up our hearts and our lives to him. We've been forgiven for our sins. We've been adopted back into his family. Life change has started to happen. It's an amazing thing. We talked about that last week. But today, I I would be remiss if we don't uh, hit the third point that I really want us to to nail today, and it's obey, right? It's, It's the obedience piece because it's significant, it's important, but I have to say, the order matters tremendously, right? We're gonna talk about, I think obedience really makes all the difference in the world. In, in, in the early Christ followers, uh, I have to say, it wasn't just that they were followers of Jesus that transformed the world. It wasn't just even that they believed that was so transformational to the world around them that it infected and, and, and basically took Christianity and exploded it throughout the, the Roman world at that time. It wasn't just that they believed, it was their lives that people couldn't explain. It was the fact that they were obeying Jesus and not just, not just believing, right? But they were transformed and they were going out. They were loving radically in ways that they'd never, people had never seen before. They were, they were following the teachings of Jesus. They were doing stuff like when they were persecuted, they would pray for them and they would turn the other cheek and they would practice compassion. They were radically generous kinds of people. They were giving in ways that was sort of unthinkable. They had this sort of confidence that even if their faith would cost them their lives, it was nothing to them because they believed and were living out this, this belief that, you know what, even after death, they would be more alive than they have ever been before. It was not just that they followed and not just that they believed, but that belief spilled out into their lives as they obeyed and they put it into practice. And that is what transformed the world in their day. That's what what makes all the difference. Obedience is a big deal. It makes a difference in our lives. It makes a difference in our world. But, But so often it seems like we just get things in the wrong order. Right? Religion puts obedience first, right? And says, boy, if you really want uh, to please God, if you want to come back and be adopted in his family, if you want to be in right relationship, if you want to be forgiven and made new and all this, you've got to obey. You've got to do all these different things. But the Bible knows nothing of that. Jesus says, uh-uh. He says, let me start the relationship first. Why don't you come and follow me? And as you follow me and you watch how I live and who and you discover who I am, then you'll begin to believe. And out of belief, out of a transformed heart, out of a, out of a life that says, man, Jesus, come and fill me. Come and make me new. Come and, you know, I need what you've done for me. Come and live your life through me. Then we begin to obey. 
It's a response to what Christ has already done for us, not the reason that we get accepted into his family and forgiven. Does that make sense? You with me? The order matters tremendously. And I have to say, uh, I mean, we've, we've looked at this each week, but, but boy, this is true. Matthew, remember uh, two weeks ago, Matthew was a tax collector. You guys were paying attention. I'm so proud. It's such a great moment. But right, he was a tax collector. He did not have his stuff together. Jesus said, would you scooch back your chair? Would you stand up? Would you follow me? As he followed, right, he began to believe. As he believed, he began to obey. It's a standard. If we had time, we could look at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a fascinating case study. Same kind of deal. Followed, right, believed, and then said, okay, I'm going to make everything right. I'm going to, of the people I've wronged, I'm going to give back. I'm going to do all this. But the obedience came as a result of believing. Sometimes we think even of the Old Testament, we think, boy, well, the Old Testament deal, uh, well, that was certainly obedience-driven, wasn't it? I mean, it's, it's about obey to please God. It's about obey. I would push back and say, no, it is not. Let me just take a case study. Ten Commandments, right? That's sort of classic. We think, well, the people had to obey the Ten Commandments in order to please God and in order to do that. Let me ask two clarifying questions. Who were the Ten Commandments given to? Right, but like what people? The Jews, Israel, right? Israel, who is known as what? Israel's known as what? God's chosen people. God had already initiated relationship, right? He'd already shown himself faithful. He'd invited them to follow. In fact, I would, the second clarifying question is, when did he give it to them? Did he give them the Ten Commandments in the Garden of Eden? Is it Genesis 1 and 2? No, right? It's not because uh, God created man for relationship, put him in the garden, right? They lived together. They were together. D- did it happen when sin came into the world? Genesis chapters 3 and 4. Is that when the Ten Commandments are given? No, In fact, it doesn't happen anywhere in the book of Genesis. It doesn't happen until Exodus. So this is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later after the people of Israel have uh, been taken, they've been living as slaves in Egypt and God came and rescued them. And he said, he said to them, in fact, he said, follow me, right? And he led them out of Egypt. He took them to this place called the Red Sea. Anybody remember something significant happening there? He led them through the Red Sea. He started leading them through the desert. In fact, he started showing himself to them more and more. He would provide for them during the day. He provided them with food to eat. What did he give them? And what else? Manna and quail, right? He, He provided for them, gave them water. Even when they were grumbling, he provided water from a rock, right? He, he was showing his faithfulness. He was showing his love. He was, he was already living in right relationship with them, right? He was showing, proving himself to them. And soon the people began to believe. They began to put their trust in. They're like, you know what? This God has come through us again and again. He's the God that brought us out of Egypt. He's the God that parted the waters and led the people through on dry ground. He's the God that provides us with food in the morning and evening. He gives us water when we need it. And soon people began to believe. And it's in that context in Exodus uh, chapter 19 is the first time we see it where God gives the people of God who have been following and who have believed gives them the Ten Commandments and says, I give these to you so that life may go well for you. 
He's not saying, do these things so that you can be my people. He's not saying that. He's not saying, do these things or obey or, you know, whatever. He's saying, no, you are my people and I, want, and I am your God. Now let me show you and teach you how to live in that right relationship with God. The order matters. Follow. It's the biblical order. Follow. Jesus did this over and over and over and over again. Follow, believe, obey. Can you see why that matters? Huge difference. We're not, we're not trying to work our way into God's good graces. We're not trying to earn forgiveness. Christ has already settled that. He's taken care of that. And, and you have been forgiven. You've been adopted in his family. You are God's people if you have believed, if you have through faith in Christ, if you have put your faith in what Christ has done for us, then you are already forgiven. Obedience has to do with what we do from that point forward. You say, man, let me teach you how to live. Let me teach you how life works best. And sometimes it is countercultural kind of stuff. I think nowhere is this more evident than, uh, than the Beatitudes, uh, Sermon on the Mount kind of stuff. If you've never read Sermon on the Mount, pretty much most biblical scholars, pretty much every pastor on the planet, most believers would agree, gr- Jesus teaches the best sermon in history, right? <laughs> I mean, it's legendary. Sermon on the Mount, he goes up. It's called Sermon on the Mount because he goes up on a, mountainside and teaches the people, right? Teaches his followers and, and uh, the crowd that had gathered. And he teaches them about a way to live life with him, about how to live life in his kingdom. And he starts teaching them again, crazy kind of stuff, like uh, about radical generosity and about uh, forgiveness and turning the other cheek and uh, praying for those who persecute. He, t- he teaches about purity in a level that is jaw-dropping in that day and in this day. He says, you know what, it's not just adultery that you should look out for. He said, but even those that, you know, you gotta watch your mind and your heart. If you look at somebody lustful, you've already committed adultery. So he's, he's teaching this radical purity, all this kind of stuff that seems jaw-dropping at the time. He's, he's basically saying, you know, I know that I, I get that the culture might be, might be pushing you in one direction, but I'm saying go in this other direction. He, he, he kind of goes through all these different things, and he's just saying, he's saying to his people, there's a better way to live if you'll follow me, believe in me, and obey. He ends this, uh, he ends this unbelievable passage, which by the way, if you haven't read the Sermon on the Mount, you should read Matthew 5, 6, 7. Uh, it's fascinating. It's a great read. Uh, everybody should read that. So write that down in your notes. You should write down, read the, read the uh, Sermon on the Mount. But he gets done with this unbelievable countercultural sort of teaching, gets to the end, and he, uh, he tells this story. He closes with a story. And the point of the story, again, is not do this or you'll go to hell. The point of the story is not do this and I'll love you. No, that's not his point. His, his point is this. He says, if you will organize your life around my teachings, if you'll do what I've taught you to do, then life will go well for you. Then you'll be able to stand. We don't have time to look at all of it. I, want to, I just want to read two verses from this story. Again, you should read it yourselves this week. Matthew 7, verses 24 and 25 say this. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, he says at the, great, at the end of the greatest sermon ever preached, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it, because it had its foundation 
on the rock. Now, I love this. This is just fascinating. In this parable, if if we were to read on, Jesus describes kind of two different ways to live. One of them, the one he talks about later, is foolishness, right? And he would describe as a foolish life built around not obeying his teachings. But this one has to do with the path of wisdom, which is a good thing in Jesus' teaching here. The person who lives this way, he refers to as a wise man or a wise woman. Now, what does he say uh, that describes the person who is building his or her life wisely? Does it have to do with church attendance? Does it have to do with even reading the Bible? Not necessarily, it's included, but it's not necessarily. Does it have to do with praying more or or saying religious words? Is that what has to, does it have ritual built into it? No, it it says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and I want you to say this, puts it into practice. Say it again. Puts it into practice. Say it one more time. Puts it into practice. What he basically means is obeys, right? Anyone who hears these words of mine and does them, right, and lives these things out is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. When the storms come and they will come, he or she will be able to stand no matter what comes. According to Jesus, right, is obedience a big deal? (laughs) Obedience is a huge deal. But he's teaching us how we can live our lives and build our lives in such a way that even when the storms come, we will stand. You say, man, this is for your good. For those of you that have been following, right, that have, that have been watching and, and discovering who he is and have taken that next step and, and said, you know what, I'm in. I have seen enough. I have experienced enough. I believe He's saying, man, now now let me teach you how to build your life from this point forward in such a way that when the storms come, you can stand. And storms will come. All kinds of storms come, right? Can be financial storms. There can be marital storms. There can be storms that come at work. They happen every day, right? There can be all kinds of relational storms. There can be all kinds of stuff that comes our way. He says, it's gonna happen. It's gonna come. Some storms are gonna come to every life, but if you will obey my teaching, even though some of the shingles might get blown off, (laughs) at the end of the day, you will stand. Your life will stand. You will be standing. The difference he's talking about is obedience. Like we talked about last week, this is not... uh, I mean, faith, this is our belief that gets lived out, right? Faith always leaks into our actions. That's all he's talking about here. If you trust me, Jesus is saying, you'll do what I have been doing. In fact, uh, if, if we jump ahead to the next uh, scripture slide I've got in there, the John 14, oh, I wish we had time. The, the whole John 14 passage, you should read this as well because it's awesome. <laughs> but he goes through the same kind of thing. He talks about following in that passage. He talks about believing and, and towards the end of this teaching, this is Jesus talking, he says this, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. He's saying, if you love me, you will obey. He's not saying, if you obey, I'll love you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying it's the opposite, right? If you love me, then obedience will come. If you trust me, if you believe in me, if there's relationship with me, then obedience will happen. And he goes on in John 15 and talks about the vine and the branches. He says, if you remain in me, you'll bear fruit, right? It'll transform your life. You will do what I've been doing. You will do what I've taught. 
follow believe, and that belief leaks out into obedience. I don't have time to go into more of it. I wish I did, uh, but, but I'll tell you what. My hope and my prayer for us as we do this series is that, that we will not just settle with following, that we will not just stay at believing, although I hope all of us do the first two, so hear that, right? I hope all of us follow Jesus. I hope all of us can come to the point where we open up our hearts and lives. We have seen and we have believed with our, with our head and with our heart when we say, Jesus, I need you to come and be my Savior. I want you to be my God, but let it not stop there. Let it not just stop with a, a, a mental sort of belief and say, I can go to church, I can check the box and say, oh, if I, had a, if I had to take a little believing test, I could check the right box. No, real belief will always end up in obedience as well. Because, because if we trust and believe here, right, we have put our trust in Christ, then we're gonna do what he's been doing. And as that happens, man, our lives, I mean, obedience makes all the difference in the world in our lives. It makes all the difference in the world in our families. It makes all the difference in the world in our impact to the world. Obedience brings life and freedom. Obedience is where it's at. It's not the first box. We don't, we don't earn anything by it. But as, as an overflow of following and believing, it'll change the world. We've got a neat opportunity today um, to uh, to uh, to kind of take a, a gr- walk with a group of people. There's there's six different people uh, that have uh, over the last number of weeks and months um, they have followed Jesus. They've they've started showing up to church. They've started checking out some of the claims of Jesus. They've they've been some have been checking it out for quite a while, maybe even years. And they have come to the point where they have taken that next step and said, you know what, I believe. I believe. I believe that Jesus. Is, is the Savior, is, the, is God, right? And, and they're taking the next step and saying, you know, not only that, but I have opened my heart and I have put my trust in him as my Savior and my God with his help. I want to follow him. And today they are taking the next step, a step of obedience, and they're getting baptized. The Bible teaches about baptism, about believing and then being baptized. And so there's six of them that have taken the step and are ready uh, to kind of go public with their faith. Baptism, there's nothing magical, I will say, about the water. There's nothing magical about that. Baptism is an outward expression of what happens when we believe, right? What happens when we put our trust and our faith in Christ. It's a picture of our sins getting washed away. It's a picture, I always joke with people when they... We, we talk about baptism because the early church would actually hold people under for a while and then when they were about out of breath, they would pull them out so that when they came out of the water, they'd be like... <gasps> And they'd say, that was the picture, right? They'd say, yeah, you were dead in your sins and Christ reached in and saved you. And so I'll joke with, with people sometimes and say, I usually hold you under uh, in accordance with how big a sinner you are. <laughs> so Aaron, you're first. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, right, I mean, that's, that's the reality for all of us. It's an outward picture of what Christ has done for us, right? He's washed away our sins on the cross. He has reached in and snagged us out and brought life to our soul once again. He's put air in our lungs and assured us of life with him forever. And so with that, uh, we're going we're gonna to invite um, uh, our, uh, the worship team up. We're going to invite our six people that are getting baptized uh, to come over here. We're going to play a clip of their video testimony, which I have to say, these are awesome. Love it. Thanks to Kyle for helping to put these together uh, for us. We're going to play the clip. I'm going to ask two questions. The first one has to do with of, uh, if, 
if they acknowledge that they're a sinner and have they opened their heart and asked Christ to save them. And the second one has to do with them following from this point forward. So I'll ask the two questions. We'll baptize them. We'll go to the next one. We've got six different ones. So cool. By the way, this is, if, if you haven't been around before, I'll just say this is one of the coolest things we get to do as a church, right? I mean, this is about all about Christ transforming lives. It's about who we are as a church. And so uh, we're going to celebrate when they come up out of the water. It's a time to party. You with me? All right, so let's, uh, let's roll the first video, and we'll get things going. Before, Turn down the lights. Well, I was raised Catholic, so we were forced to go to church. And then when I decided, you know, I'm not getting anything from that, I would not go. So I didn't care if I lived or died. And many times I tried to die. That's how bad it was. I came to church with Sonia and... It was just overwhelming, took my breath away, overwhelming, and it was like, this is where I should be. There is someone or something that thinks I'm important, that loves me. And things weren't good, and that's, instead of giving up, I started to pray, because I was ready to completely give up leave this world behind. It's God to save me, to save me, to help me, get me out of this horrible hole that I'm in. And I could feel just like a relief that he was there, a relief. I don't know how else to explain it, but it was like I could breathe, just a relief of weight lifted. I'm much happier. Things are worthwhile, and I'm worthwhile, and I am important. I, I, I deserve to live. <laughs> because? Because of God. Because of our Savior. And I'm so thankful. just turned 17 from cancer. That kind of threw me back because I couldn't understand why God would allow something like that to happen. 
couldn't get any answers, anything like that. After that, it just kind of, my faith in God just kind of dwindled a little bit more. We've been friends with Tammy for quite a few years. She wanted us to at least come and see how, how it is. Personally, I didn't want to, okay? But one day we just got to decide, let's go ahead and see how it is. The first sermon was right before the skeptics wanted. I just started learning right then and there. Every time I would come to church, I he gave us more information and more information, and it just helped me believe, helped me realize what a fool I've been, not believing in God, not having them in my life. About three weeks ago, when you were singing the last song of the day, uh, The Rock Won't Move, I started crying in the middle of it. I knew then and there, this is what I want. This is what I need in my life. I'm happy, or um, not stressed out about little things, not stressed out about life because I figure he has a plan for me. So no matter what happens today or tomorrow, it's going to turn out okay at the very end. I'm not afraid of dying. Now I'm finding myself at home on the internet looking up about Jesus a little bit more and more. It's a tough read for me, it's tough to understand, but I'm finding myself reading more and more and more and trying to learn more about him. And the, basically the tortures that he went through to give us life. All right, two questions for you. Uh, do you freely admit that, uh, you're, that you're a sinner, you're in need of saving, and have you asked Christ to come and rescue you and save you from your sin? The second question is, uh, is it your intention here today to, uh, before these people, to, to kind of go public with your faith and say, you know what, uh, with God's help, I want to follow Jesus all the days of my life. Yes. All right. Then plug your nose and grab your wrist. Then I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> in a strict Catholic home and I went to private school we went to church twice a week and you don't sitting in there you feel like you have to be on your best behavior there's you're not relaxed you're very worried about you know doing something wrong in the Catholic Church and it's just it's not friendly it's not welcoming and it pushed me away from God it pushed me away like a lot of what they tell you I don't believe to be true I think they use like scare tactics and things like that especially to children in the in the private school and it was just it's not the way God is it's not how I don't believe that that's the way God wants people to learn about him and to follow him so that really turned me off and I thought, I don't think so. Um, well, as a young adult, when I was out on my own, I decided church is not for me. It's not 
the place I want to be. It's not where I want to waste my time. And so I turned away from it. And then, you know, like I said, Tammy pulled me back into it. And she's like, listen, it's not all like Catholic Church. Churches are not all created equally. And you need to come and you need to check this out. And at night, you learn more. You, It's more in layman's terms. And you get to really know God and really understand his message. And then finding my friend Tammy, who I believe that was fate also her, she was in my life to bring me back to God, I think. You know, I'm ready to recommit myself back to God and back to Jesus and I'm, I want that. I feel like my life has changed. Um, like I said, there's there's a great sense of peace and happiness that has filled an empty spot in my life. And having God and have that connection with God in your life is amazing. All right. Two questions. The first one is, do you freely admit that you're a sinner and I need a saving? Have you, have you cried out to Jesus to rescue you from your sin and save you? Yes. And the second one is, it, is, it, is it your intention here today to, uh, to proclaim uh, and to commit yourself to saying, uh, with God's help, I want to follow Jesus all the days of my life? Yes. All right. Look at those. Grab your wrist. And I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Probably mid twenties. I didn't even know any of the Bible stories at all. I mean, we believed in Jesus. I mean, we celebrated Christmas, and it was kind of like I didn't know him. I had no idea who Jesus was, none at all. I knew it was this person that was out there that, you know, when I was scared or had a big test or something, I would pray to, but I didn't, I didn't have any idea who I was praying to or, or what that was, what that even meant. I felt, you know, prideful, uh, skeptical, uh, kind of, I got this, I can, I can do this on my own, I don't need this person that I don't know. I mean, because that's, you know, that's weird anyway. It's like, I got nothing to show for the money that I've made all this time working. Still have this hole in my, I guess, soul. So I hit my 30s and just just kind of was, was over it. And just, and I can't fill this hole. People aren't filling this hole. Spouses aren't filling this hole. Relationships aren't filling this hole. What, what else is out there? And uh, actually I was, I was married at the time to my, my previous wife and went through a divorce and kind of during that process, it was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix this. I gotta find something. I gotta find what's out there that's, that's causing me all these problems and holding me back and making me, I really was just making stupid mistakes really all the time, every time I turn around because I was doing it my way and not God's way. And so I thought, well, I got this, I'm smart. I can figure this out and I couldn't, couldn't do it without. Doing a lot of reading. Uh, and just kind of started pursuing it, real, realistically pursuing it. I going to the library and reading all kinds of things. I started with Mere Christianity, um, started getting into Francis Chan, that's exactly it. Started reading some of his stuff, and I was just like, this is, this is cool, this is exciting, this is something I don't, you know, it was still new to me, but I'm like, there's something here, there's gotta be something here. <laughs> so then at that point, I mean, I guess that kind of leads me where we're, you know, led me to where we're at now. 
and now I'm ready to throw the doors open and say I'm, I'm all in. Come into my life and I know what I've done in the past didn't work and I tried to do it on my own and now I'm hopeful and excited to see what, what can happen when I let go of the wheel and let him drive. Two questions for you. The first one is, um, do you freely admit that you're a sinner and in need of saving? And if you ask Christ to come and, and rescue you and, and free you and forgive you for your sins? Absolutely. And the uh, second one is, is it your intention here today to, to proclaim and to uh, commit to following Jesus with his help all the days of your life? Yes. All right. I'll plug your nose and grab your wrist. Baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I mean, we went to church, but there wasn't like, I wasn't at home reading the Bible, praying. I wasn't doing the, I didn't have like a relationship. I just went to church. Um, I always had the thought in my head, like, okay, wait a minute. God doesn't want you to do that. Don't do that. So I knew right and wrong. Um, Getting to high school was tougher because a lot more temptations. You get, it got tougher because, I mean, I didn't have a lot of Christian friends. Um... So when other temptations came around, I felt like I was by myself. I mean, so I just kind of gave in to different temptations and started down a path that wasn't the right path that led to premarital sex, drugs, alcohol, all the things that I tried to avoid by hanging out with the, not hanging out with the wrong people, but like you said in church, if you don't have that relationship, you're kind of unarmed. Then I went to a really bad place. I was hitting rock bottom. I was partying all the time, doing pretty much doing anything and everything I wanted. I didn't have a care, didn't worry. If somebody's feelings got hurt, I was kind of like, better you than me. I'm not the one getting hurt. And then we got that posted in the mail saying, hey, come to this church that I didn't even know even was even here. Cause I used to work at the Civic Center and I didn't know there was a church on Sundays. I'm like, must be new. So checked it out and here we are. A baptism came up and I was like, you know, I've never been baptized. I'd always believed until you understand fully what it is, which I understood what baptism was. It's cleansing your sins and committing your life. I was just always growing up thinking, well, I went to church every day, so I really don't have anything to cleanse. I mean, I was a good kid. I didn't do anything wrong, but then realizing, no, you're not, you're not perfect. You're doing a lot wrong. I realized, you know what? I need to make that commitment. Um, she's ready to make it. I'm like, we must just, let's just do this together. Let's, as a family, let's just come together and make that the number one focus in our part of our home. So I was like, I'm ready to do this. Let's commit less. Clearly I need him. I can't do it without him. I'm lucky I'm here. Some days I don't think I should have been, but it's just his grace, his patience. Now I'm ready. I owe you this much. Awesome, man. 
right, two questions for you. The first one is, do you freely admit that you're a sinner and in need of saving? And have you asked Christ to come and, and wash you and make you clean? Yes. And the second one, is it, uh, is it your intention to proclaim here today that Jesus is your God, your Savior, that you're following him with his help from this point forward? I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. parents who I didn't even think believed in God. We never once talked about God. We never prayed. It was just not a topic of conversation ever. When I got older and got into like the bad things, it's in, it never seemed bad because I never thought of getting to heaven as something that was concrete. I was at work and we have patients that talk to us about Jesus and God a lot, like especially end of the road, you know, like they want to talk about that stuff. But this, this lady, I was giving her her breathing treatment, nothing. She wasn't dying, you know, she was on the mend. Um, and she was just talking to me, she was sharing me, sharing with me her faith. And um, she just was so joyful and just like, yeah, this, she was so excited to tell me about her relationship with Jesus. And I, I was like, oh, Man, it's just, it's so difficult to follow what God wants for us. And she said the one sentence that just changed it all for me. She said, honey, Jesus already did the hard part. And that was it. Like, I just, I never looked at it like that. I never looked at it like he died on the cross for me. Like, and so... When I came here, I went home and I prayed, and but I just like talked to him. It wasn't like a structured like pray, like I had always thought of it. It was just a, a talking, and I just felt this overwhelming sense of he's not asking me for perfection. He's just asking me to try. I want him to know I'm in. Like this is our life now, and I don't want to go back. freely admit that you're a sinner and need a saving if you ask Christ to come and rescue you and forgive you for your sins. And secondly, uh, is it your intention to proclaim here today and to, to commit with your life to say, you know what, I'm following Jesus from this point forward with his help? Mm, awesome. All right, then pluck your nose, grab your wrist. Then I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you. 
It's our practice as a church that uh, after we baptize people, anybody that wants to, friends and family members can come around and uh, we'll just pray blessing on these guys as they have kind of gone public with their faith. And so if you'd like to come up and pray, please do come on up. We will uh, lay hands on these guys and a few of us can just kind of pray out. So come on up. when we're done. Let's pray. Savior, that even when we, all of us, were stuck in our sin and in our junk, you reached in and saved us, that you have snagged us and rescued us to new life, and that for those that put their faith and trust in you, you promised them to, to forgive us, to adopt us into your family, to make us brand new, just as if we've never sinned before, and that you uh, assure us of a happily ever after with you in heaven. What a great and mighty God. Lord, we do pray just your blessing, your protection on uh, these six that have stepped up publicly today and, and declared that they are betting it all on you, Jesus. And I pray that you would just uh, rain down your spirit on them, God, that you would uh, fill them, that you would use them, that you would assure them of your presence, your power, your love, your goodness. And uh, we just look forward to seeing the rest of the story of your amazing redemption story in their lives, God. We entrust them to you. We give you praise for your story and your work in all of us. And we, uh, we pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen.